0: Good morning for week two of uh, Get Ready. Um, last week was such an incredible week, and so if you guys uh, happen to not be here, um, for whatever reason you missed it, uh, I encourage you to go back and watch. You don't have to watch the message part. Just watch the baptism part and uh, what God did. It was, it was amazing, and uh, God just really moved. We had one person get saved and six baptized during the service, and it was, it was such a high. It was such an amazing... Uh, such an amazing Sunday for me. I hope it was for you guys as well, because I was so pumped. We had our horse trough right here, and I mean, I was ready to to do a flip. I was so pumped up. And then, um, don't you just know that that's how, like, Satan does not want us to get ready. I don't know if you guys know this. Um, so if you don't, I'm going to tell you today. Um, like, the last thing on his mind, the last thing... He, He loves it when we're kind of stagnant in life and when we're going through the motions. And so if you're really trying to serve the Lord, um, he's not happy about that. And so I always call Mondays after a big day manic Mondays. It's just my terminology for it. Uh, I probably shouldn't even go to work because it's just like every little thing gets on your nerves and you're like, and I I got home Monday and I looked at Leah and I said, I don't know why I'm angry, but like I just want to, have a fit of rage right now and lose my mind, and I was just like, I went from the highest high to the lowest low, and nothing bad happened, They're like there wasn't this huge sin, and it was just like, the cliff fell, and then, like, it, it's just amazing how Satan attacks me, I felt like a dark cloud, and I'm telling you this now, um, because I'll bring it back in the, in the last point, honestly, Monday to me felt like a dark cloud was over me, and some, someone was pressing down on me, and I... I I wish I could explain it better than that. I've never been a person that struggled with depression. But you would think, like, after a great day, it would be, like, fireworks going off and, like, the best day ever. And Monday was just awful. I was just like, seriously, (laughs) it should be the opposite of upset. And, like, every little thing that I could look at negatively, I started doing. I look back at the last, we don't look at week to week, like, uh, number of people here and all that stuff we look at trends and I started looking at trends and I was like man we got to do some stuff and I started saying woe is me and God just really punched me in the mouth and um, something amazing happened and I want to tell you about it but I want to tell you more fully in the third point but um, this is what I'll tell you is if we look at life and expect life to be just easy does it (laughs) just just going through the motions just honestly it's always good um, it's just not that way. And some days really are amazing. Some weekends are amazing. You know, you, you have great victories in your life for a week at a time, but, but the difficulty is going to come. And when it does, it comes like a ton of bricks. And the question is not what do, how do you handle the good, and the question really isn't how do you handle the bad. The question is in both of those, where is Jesus? And am I ready for either one of those or all of those? Is Jesus at the center of my life just when it's good and just when people get saved and just when we have an awesome day or just when I'm in here? Or is he also at the center of my life when I feel like a cloud is over me and I feel terrible or my kids will not shut up and I'm just ready to go in a room and scream because I can't get them to shut up and they get on my nerves when it's like that? Someone say amen because I know you parents are like me. Thank you. That was the Holy Ghost right there. Y'all know what I'm talking about. and It's just like, but the question is not can we feel up and ready When it's good, the question is, when it's the worst, can we really be ready and live for the Lord? Can we fight through it? Can we grit our teeth? Can we still put on the yoke that is wood and not iron like last week, like we talked about? So today, what I kind of want to share with you and Get Ready is pushing forward, kind of kicking through, and what each one of us have to do to get ready first is to evaluate ourselves like we did last week, to look internal to evaluate whether or not we're in a slavery because of sin. And today, I, I want to look at what we do with others, kind of how we should talk to others. And, and I, I said last week, there's a couple people in here, man, you are go-getters to bring other people to church. But, but typically, especially if you're a church person, if you grew up in church, you've probably not asked someone to come to church in 25 years because that's not what church people are supposed to do. We just show up we do the country club thing, we sit in the same seat every week, we go through the motions, and that is not what Jesus told us to do. Jesus told us to go and tell. And if Jesus has done a work in your life and your life is not the same that it was before when you were a rotten sinner like I am, even today, but when when God changed you, you should want to be a go-getter and a go-teller. And so I want to just tell you a story today that kind of shows you how I think you should tell people about Jesus. But as... I do. I just want you to ask yourself this question. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because this really would be embarrassing. But 5% of Christians, and that's us, if you call yourself a believer, if you've trusted Christ as Savior, that's you. And so I, I assume that most of us in here, but not everybody, and if you're not, just tune me out right now. 5% of us have ever talked to someone about what Jesus did in our lives, shared their faith, and then seen someone convert to Christianity or trust Christ as Savior as a result of me talking to them, 5%. That means in this room, less than five people have ever shared their faith with anyone and seen God do something about it. And today, I want to change that. And I want to show you a man named Paul, who, by the way, if it wasn't for Paul, I don't think any of us would know the gospel, because he started in Jerusalem, and then he went as far west as France, all over Rome and the Roman Empire, and spread the gospel like a madman. Like he was, he was nuts about it, and I'm going to show you why today. I'm not saying that you're going to be that. God may not have called you to be a Paul, but God did call you to be you. And before I was called to be a pastor and stand up here, I was called by the blood of Jesus that I trusted as Savior, that shed for me and rose again. I was called by that to be a follower of Christ. And it is my job to follow what the Bible says. And today, this is one of the callings. The last thing Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, and you will tell this gospel that I've done in you. Well, now listen, if Jesus has done something in you, you have to tell. And I'm going to show you how Paul did it today. But now listen, this is what's interesting. Paul didn't have time to get ready in this particular situation because Paul had been arrested again. If you know anything about Paul... Anytime we start feeling sorry for ourselves when we face difficulties, uh, Paul was jacked up, dude. Paul, Paul had it bad. Paul was shipwrecked, left for dead. He was flogged and beaten. He was actually stoned to death only to raise again. He was in prison in one of the prisons in Rome that I'm dying to visit. If anyone ever goes to Rome and you want a companion and you'll pay for it, then I'll go with you because I really want to go. And it's a prison called Mamertine Prison. If you're about five feet tall or less, you could stand up in there. And Paul was not a tall man like me, but he certainly wasn't under five feet tall. There was no windows. It was just a hole in the ceiling. And they dropped food down to him. There were rats in there. And yet he wrote some of the great epistles that we read, the letters, in there praising God in the midst of bad circumstances. On Mondays when it feels like crap and you're in the middle of junk, Paul was praising God. Why? Because he was ready. God had done a work in his life and he was ready. And so when he got arrested this time, This guy named King Agrippa, that's what the Jews called him. He was actually Herod the Great. This is not the same Herod that was with Jesus. This is the next one. And so Herod the Great, or we'll call him King Agrippa because that's what it says in in Acts chapter 26. uh, He goes before King Agrippa, and they're basically like, okay, it's time for you to die, and we're going to take you to the Herod, the the king, and we're going to let him decide it, but, but we want him to kill you. And so Paul had one chance. And if I was Paul, I want y'all to think about this. If I was Paul, what I would have done is said, King, look, man, just whatever you want to do, just, just don't kill me. And Paul didn't do that at all. Paul said, you know what? I'm just going to tell you about Jesus. And I believe he gave us the best picture of how to witness to somebody because he just used what Jesus did in his life. And so there's three things. For us to get ready and for us to tell others, for us to be doers, for us to reach 200 plus on September the 8th, which I believe we're going to blow that out of the water. But for us to do that, it can't just be, hey, will you come to my church? We have to be ready spiritually, physically, and emotionally. And the way that we do that is we're ready. And when we're ready and God's done a work in our lives, we want to tell others about it. And this is exactly what Paul did. So if you have your Bibles or your tablets like I have or your phones, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 26. And if you don't, it'll be on the screen. And listen, if you don't own a Bible... I want you to go back to guest services and I want you to say, I don't own a Bible, and Mark said I can get one for free, so can I get my free Bible? Because we want you to read the Bible. We want you to read your Bible every single day because if you want to have conversations with God, you just can't do it when you're hurting. You do it every single day, every morning, seven days a week, you talk to Jesus. Acts chapter 26. I want to give you three things of how we can get ready and how we should share our faith. And so you have to look at your life before you were converted. And everyone is there. I don't care. I don't care if you got saved when you were six years old, like many people in here when you were a young kid, or like me, that you thought you got saved when you were a kid, and in actuality you were 17 years old, when you truly laid your life down and surrendered your heart and life to Jesus. We can all look at what it was like before our conversion, but here's the deal. I hear a lot of people say, man, I know my life before conversion, but it's not good because it's not like Paul's. What I'm about to read you, because that doggone Paul was crazy. And, and this is the truth, okay? If you believe what the Bible says, it is as good as Paul's. Because all of us in this room, with no exceptions, deserve separation from God for all of eternity in hell. We were all sinners, and that is the life before conversion that we can all agree on. We were all sinners. We were all apart from God. We all, needed, we all deserved separation from God forever. But listen, Paul's is... Pretty crazy. And if there's anyone in this room, listen, this is not an evangelistic message. But if you're not a Christian this morning, I want you to hear this and let it ring in your ears. There is no one that has done worse than Paul, I promise. No one. And I'm about to read to you why. Listen to what Acts 26, starting in verse 9. Listen to what it says. I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. So what does that mean? He, He hated Jesus. He was a Jew's Jew. He was in the tribe of Benjamin. He was was like way up in the high priest. And he did everything he could to oppose Jesus. And listen to what this says. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. In raging fury against them, I persecuted them, even to foreign cities. And so let me just, in a nutshell, explain what this means. Paul killed Christians. Paul had a casting vote. And like the guys that actually threw the rocks at Stephen in Acts chapter 7, we look at him, and we say, I cannot believe a saint like that that worshiped Jesus. And, And in his last days, he was buried up to his chest in at least sand and probably something a little heavier than that, but sand up to his chest. He was buried. He could not move. And they did it this way so it was just miserable for them. And they threw large stones. They weren't small rocks. And they hit them in the head until they died. And so imagine not being able to fight back. And imagine being the guy that doesn't throw the rock but stands there and says, Yes, kill them. That was Paul. He was not a good person. (laughs) But let me just explain this. Saul of Tarsus, before God changed his name to Paul, was what his name was. And he thought he was doing right. Like, in his mind, he was righteous. He was doing what he was supposed to do. And so he was pretty doggone jacked up killing people. But he thought he was doing what's right. But I want y'all to pay special attention to this. No one in this room has killed as many people as Paul. Even with our hatred. And Jesus said, if if you hate someone, you commit murder in your heart. Even in our hatred, we probably didn't hate quite as bad as Paul. He was so zealous for what he was trying to do. And, And this is what he was telling Agrippa. Listen, they're about to kill me and I did that to other people. So I, I understand. Like, like really, I understand what they're doing because this is what I did. In my zealousy and in my excitement for trying to kill the name of Jesus, I killed them in Jerusalem where it all started. I killed them. I want you to ask yourself this morning, have you ever killed people for being a Christian? And if you haven't, Because I've had many conversations in the last even month where people have looked at me and said, Mark, you have no idea how bad a stuff I've done. God doesn't want a relationship with me. Let me promise you something. If God wants a relationship with Saul of Tarsus, he wants a relationship with you. And he wants to greatly use you. It's just you have to humble yourself and let God do a great work in your life through Jesus. You have to ask him to forgive you of your sins, and that's what can happen. And this is what the awesome story found in Acts chapter 9, one of my favorite stories in all the Bible, but this is how he describes it in his own words. He, he told this king, he didn't tell this king, please let me go. He told this king, look, this is what I used to do, and check this out, this is what happened to me. And the whole story, if you want to read it, is in Acts chapter 9, but this is what he said. The second one is this is his conversion experience. And so when you're sharing your faith with someone, you should start with what your life was like before your conversion. And then all I mean by conversion is the day that you trusted Jesus. And if there was not like fireworks going off, that's okay. By the way, when I got saved, no one preached a message. I witnessed a kid on a mission trip when I was 17 years old share his faith with his cousins, an eighth grader, and I was a senior in high school on a basketball camp, and that's, that was my God. That was what I loved to do more than anything. And I witnessed a kid sharing his faith with someone else. And I was like, holy cow. <laughs> my whole life has been a joke. My whole life has been a joke. I went to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, and every other night that we had something possibly. My dad worked at the church. My mom served in every area you could imagine. I did everything with the church. And I literally believe I knew more than 50 verses of Scripture when I was 10 years old by heart. It is not what you know that makes you righteous. There's plenty of people that know the Bible through and through. They're going to split hell wide open because they don't know the King. And my experience was not like Paul's, where a light came down from heaven. But my experience is so sweet to this day, where I laid on a carpet on the top floor of the West Tower at Marshall University. And I was talking to all my peers, more than 100 students in the room. And I said, Guys, I'm lost. I've never really surrendered to Jesus. I watched what it looks like today from a kid who's in the eighth grade, who shared his faith, who got saved on a Monday and then on Tuesday shared his faith with his cousins and brought them in because he didn't care what everybody else thought. And that day I said, I'm watching from someone that knows nothing. He didn't know one verse of Scripture. He was from the inner city of Huntington and he had never heard any of this. And yet I saw what it's like to be alive in Christ. Paul did not know all these great things that Jesus has taught like all his disciples and yet immediately God saved him. And this is what happened. Acts 26 verse 12. And In this connection I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission of the chief priests. He was on his way... To go get some more people. And at midday, O King, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun that shone around me, and those who journeyed with me. And when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a great voice saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against, it it is hard for you to kick against the goat. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand to your feet. For I have appeared to you for a purpose to anoint you as a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those which I will appear to you. Excuse me. Delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from the darkness. Excuse me. Turn from darkness to light from the power of Satan to God, and they may receive forgiveness of their sins and place among those who are sanctified by me in faith. And so I want you all to see this. Not all of us are going to have an experience like Paul where we're walking down a road and light shines on us. And by the way, he was blinded for three days and had scales on his eyes and couldn't see anything, but immediately he trusted the voice that was Jesus' voice. For so many people, we sit in a service and we hear the message of the gospel And we turn from it and we run from it. And listen, I'm just being honest with you. This is not intended to be an evangelistic message this morning, but I I just want to give you a chance to hear it. If God's never changed you and you've never, it's not a feeling. You don't have to cry, but you can cry. Right? It doesn't matter. If, If the truth of the gospel has not come inside of you, the Holy Spirit has not come inside of you and changed you from the inside out, then you are not saved. And there's not truth in you. And you can know this word by heart. You can know every word of it. It is not about that. It is about the Savior coming into your life and changing you. The forgiveness of sin is what, how Paul described it. And listen, here's what's so cool about Paul. Right at that moment, what he's trying to tell King Agrippa is, don't kill me. I don't care about that. He doesn't care if he gets killed. What he cares right now is, I want you to get saved, King Agrippa. I want you to know the truth. I want everyone to know the truth. That is the evidence of a person that has been saved. If you want everyone in your life to know the truth, it means you have it in you and you can't stand it. It doesn't matter what your occupation is. You can be a cook you can be a, dick, a ditch digger. You can be anything you want. You can be a doctor or a lawyer. You can be rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you have Jesus. You want everyone to know. And Paul, at this moment, when he should have been pleading for his life, was pleading for Agrippa to come to know Jesus. And I'm telling you something. The third thing is there will be evidence in your life that you're saved because you can tell life after your conversion experience. You will be able to give testimony of what God has done. And so I want everybody to look at me right now. Write that down, and then look at me real quick. I'm going to close it up. We're going to close it a little bit different Uh, today. I'm really excited that we're going to do something different. I want you to be able to answer this question for me this morning, and I believe that it will demand a response from you. Not necessarily a response for you to come up here, but a response in your heart to tell the truth of where you are with Christ. If you can't tell testimony of what God is doing, listen to me, in your life today. If there's not, if the enemy's not fighting against you, and if you can't tell testimony of what God has done in the last week in your life, then are you truly alive in Christ? And so I told you just a minute ago, I want to tell you why I was so encouraged this week in the middle of some really bad news that I got on Thursday from someone that I love dearly. And I'm not going to tell you about it because I've been asked not to. Um, but they're in the room, and, um, and on a really tough Monday that I can't really explain, I wish I could explain better, um, the Lord's really been challenging me, and I'm going to talk more about it next week. The message is called Training Day, and I really want y'all to be here, so I really think it's important. But the Lord's really been challenging me that it's not enough for us to reach the least, the lost, and the lonely in this room. Some of the people that have gotten saved recently, it, their stories are so cool and God's really changed some, some, some hurting people and some people that are far from God and people that we really feel like we're reaching our vision. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that. But I felt God in my presence, just in my spirit, in, in my time with the Lord, a couple, like, let's say 10 days ago, it was somewhere roughly in there. Mark, it's not enough for you to reach the least of lost and lonely inside the church. You need to do it outside. And so, honestly, every day I've been trying to look for, and I'm not going out of my way if I'm on the way to work, on the way to eat, on the way to go get something. I'm looking for people. Yesterday I found a guy and I took him up to Gaffney because he was trying to get to Rock Hill. Um, He he was obviously homeless. So every day, and honestly it's crazy, I've not gone out of my way and I've only missed a couple days in the last, I think it's 12, where I stop on the road and I help somebody. And again, I'm going to share a little bit more next week because there's some really cool stories mixed in with that about what I think God wants us to do, what our lives are supposed to look like where we help people and serve people and what a Christian really is supposed to look like. But anyway, I, I've just really felt pressed to do that. And um, so, so Monday I had my, my pity party day, Manic Monday is what I call it. And I, it was just really, I just was frustrated. I woke up Tuesday morning and I had looked at several things in the church and, and I over, like my pendulum swings too far and I'm just like, woe is me. Our offerings for July were, um, I'm just telling you the truth, so don't, we're about 3000 below budget. And it's the first time in uh, 2013 that we had not been above budget. And so I was like, oh my gosh, if we keep doing this. And I just really, the Tuesday morning, I read the daily, the one-year Bible and sometimes a little more every single morning. And I had gotten done reading. And uh, I got in the shower. I try to do that every day. And so I'm I'm bathing... (laughs) And I'm talking to the Lord in the shower, and I always say, "Lord, clean me like you're cleaning my, like I'm cleaning my body." And I want to start new and take up my cross. And I, as God is my witness, I felt the Lord say, "Dude, you take care of your end. I'm gonna take care of mine." I was like, "All right. I don't know what that means, but that sounds good." So, I go through the day. It was an awesome day. I picked someone up named BJ. Took him to Greer. It was it was cool. I, I wasn't. I didn't go out of my way. It was just on my way to work. I picked him up. He needed something, I got him some Burger King. For breakfast and help somebody, and just went through the day. It was an awesome day, and 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 I got home and we went to McAllister's, my in-laws, um, and Leah, who's watching online with a sick baby at home. Um, I'm telling them this story. God told me this this morning, and I did it. was awesome, and nothing had happened. It was cool, and I get a phone call from a friend that I had not talked to in quite a while, besides a text message or two for the last six months. I think I've texted him three times. I haven't asked him for money, haven't asked for anything. He he calls me out of the blue and says, "Dude." Can you meet me at uh Can you meet me at at your house? Tell me again where you live. So, yeah, sure. I'm at uh, I'm at McAllister's. I'll be I'll be there about eight. So he texts me at eight, and we're leaving. I'm like, we got to go. I told, what's the name? I'm not gonna say his name. That I was gonna meet him at the house. So we we sneak out. I get to the house. He's in the driveway. He's a huge Clemson fan. Which if y'all wear orange next week, I probably won't hug you. So, but I still love you. God, the God be the glory. But I, I just I'm gonna wear garnet. Praise God. So. He's, he's giving us a hard time he's trying to get Laney to say go Tigers and I'm laughing and Laney says no Clemson is bad daddy gives me a spanking if I say go Tigers. <laughs> so I was like that's right that's right gave her some fists I brought her a new shirt because of it but so so we're talking I mean it's just we're just I'm thinking like and by the way this guy used to I coached his son and he bought uniforms for the team at Spartanburg Christian Academy when I coached there and I have two pairs of shorts that I love he's buying new uniforms this year. My thought is, I'm going to bring you something. He's giving me new shorts. That's awesome, by the way, because I love those shorts. It's got pockets in them. They're like game shorts. I wear them all the time. He reaches in his pocket, and he said, dude, I just want you to know, man, I'm proud of you. You stepped out in faith, and you hadn't asked me for anything. I just want you to know I'm proud of you. Reaches in his pocket, hands me a check. I didn't look at it. I'm like, how much is it? You know, I just put it in my pocket. He's like, man, I appreciate it. I gave him a hug. We talked a little more. He left. Walk in the house. Leah looks at me and says, how much do you think it is? And I was like, I don't even want to tell you because you're going to think I'm crazy. I, I think it's $10,000. Leah was like, Phew. and then she thought I had the gift of prophecy because we opened it up, and sure enough, it's $10,000, $10,000 check. And can I just be honest? I called, like, Josh and Austin and just a couple people, and I told them what had happened, and I called my family, and one of my sisters said, The only thing that would have been better is if it would have been $10,000 made to you. And I said, I can tell you this with all honesty. It wasn't the $10,000. It's not the money. I don't like crying, so I'm going to work really hard against this. It's not the money. It's the presence of God. It's knowing that I'm not making it up. I swear. Tuesday morning, God told me in the shower, you take care of your end, I'm going to take care of mine. I hadn't talked to this dude there's no explanation that God is present in my life and that he's moving. And I didn't make that happen. He was just obedient to God. I did nothing. I hope y'all are not hearing me say I'm spiritual and I'm awesome. I did nothing. I just showed up to work, told the story of what had happened, and God did something crazy. Listen, if God is evident in your life, I'm not saying $10,000 is coming to your house today. I hope it does, as long as you tithe on it. Give us a thousand, then, then I'll pray for you that you'll get ten. That that ten thousand dollars is beside the point. The point is when God has done something in your life and saved you, when there's truly a conversion experience. I struggled. I cannot describe the struggle I was under on Monday. I was not happy, Mark. I was not kind to my wife. I was short with her. I didn't lose my religion. And go nuts and get into this deep sin. But I wanted to punch a hole in the wall. And if you haven't been there, that's awesome. You're just better than me. (laughs) And God had to help me in my time of hurt. And he showed up and it's crazy. And I'm not giving you an excuse not to give. It is your biblical command to give as a cheerful giver. Especially if you're a partner of four points. You're supposed to give. But you know what? God doesn't need your money. He just invites you to be part of the worship that God's going to do. And I'm so encouraged this morning. I stand before you and I tell you that I want to tell everyone about what Jesus is doing in my life today. And my life today is different than my life was yesterday, but Jesus continues to be new every morning. And some days like Thursday, I feel like I'm going to throw up the entire day. I did not have the joy of the morning. Like that joy that I had Tuesday night was really not there when I had a conversation at Pizza Inn at 11.50 a.m. on, to, on Thursday morning, I wanted to throw up. I, I wasn't happy, but here's what I do know, that God is present in my life, that he really has done a work in my life, and that if someone was about to kill me, if I had an opportunity to present the gospel, I would want them to know. That if, it, that if my kid's getting saved, I want y'all to listen. Haston, who is 18 months old, and Laney, who is going to kindergarten tomorrow, Lord willing. If them getting saved meant me dying, then kill me now, because that's that's much better than me living. So for a person that's followed Christ, life after Christ has to be different. Second Corinthians five seventeen says, "If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come." Let me just show you what Paul said as the band comes back up here. He says, "Therefore." O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and then in Jerusalem and throughout the region and also the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. And this is what he said I I told everybody. I had to follow what God did in my life, and so I've told everybody. Paul didn't say I told some of them, did he? He said I told everybody. And then skip down to verse 28. This is what Paul says. And Agrippa said to Paul in a short time, you would persuade me to be a Christian? Like imagine being King Agrippa. You're not going to plead for your life in this short time that you have? You're, you, seriously? You're just going to ask me if I want to be a Christian? You're not going to ask me if I will, will free you from from I can kill you right now and you just want me to know this, and this is what Paul said. Whether short or long, I would go, excuse me, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me on this day might become such as I am, except for these chains that I'm tied up in. What if we lived like that? What if we cared so much for this city, this community, that we wanted the whole world to know? What if we really lived like that? Y'all worship with us.
1: Yet to come no still to be done in this city and there is no one like our God there is no one like you God y'all have a seat real
0: quick Um, we actually, to close the message today, we have one more song, but, um, to close service, I mean, but I, I guess the question is, do you really, do you really believe that, that greater things have yet to come and greater things still to be done in this city? Listen, if that's really true, it's going to take us going to take you and, and I to to do something and so as you leave today um, some of our volunteers have made up orange bags and in those bags uh each person is going to get one of these and some of y'all already have them some matter of fact some of you have them on and um they have 4 points church on them and they have this but on in the bag will be this and I decided <laughs> sorry for that's loud but I decided that it's probably good if you know what it means so uh, we put a card in there with them because this is a, a witnessing tool. This is, w- this is not just to be like cool and have a bunch of colors. Um, it, it's a witnessing tool. And so we put on there um, what what each thing represents. The dark color represents sin. And I, I always use Romans 3.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. I'm sorry, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's 6.23. The wages of sin is death. And then, Romans 5.8, that God demonstrated His love for us, that while we were still sinners, that Christ died for us. That the blood of Jesus represents the fact that while we were sinners, in the midst of our struggling, and we're all messed up, all of us, show them that all of us are sinners. All of all sin and fall short of glory, God. But while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, and, and God demonstrated it by, by dying for us on the cross, like Romans 5.8 said. And then, I love 1 John 1.9. Every person that says, dude, you just don't know how bad I am. You just don't know how far away from God I am. And Paul was worse. And if we confess with our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of that unrighteousness. Every sin that you've done is forgivable by the blood of Jesus. And you are as white as snow. You're clean because of Jesus. And then there's some really cool commands for us to grow, like to pray in 1 Thessalonians 5:17 and, and listen to God in Psalm 119.11, and to go and tell all the world, like Jesus said, right before he, he, got, he ascended, we're supposed to go and tell. And Second Peter 3.18, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so green represents stuff growing. If your yard is not green right now, you've done a really good job making it not green because it's, it's rained so much. That's what happens when we're in the living water of Jesus is we grow. And then this is the promise that we have. And this is where you take everyone. The, the streets of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass, like Revelation 2121 b says, and for God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. One day, everyone who trusts Christ will walk together with streets of transparent gold in heaven. And so, we're giving you these as a tool. And um, I, I want you to use them. When Lee and I, two weeks ago, this is kind of cool, when Lee and I were at a little thing on Sunday morning for... On our anniversary, we sat through a blue-green. Uh, they're trying to sell us their thing so we could get a free cruise, just being honest. And while we were doing it, the kid said, Dude, I like your bracelet. What does it mean? And I, I shared, like, almost verbatim that thing. I didn't tell him my life before. Life after, I said, This is just what it means. And he was like, Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. Every day you can have an opportunity just wearing a bracelet. You don't even have to punch them. You say, like, Can I tell you what this means if they ask you? Can I, can I share this with you? And so I want all of y'all... Wear them proudly. And this is how I want to close today. Um, two things. One, you've, you've clearly seen what Paul's done. and So for every person in here, I, I want to give you an opportunity to get saved because I feel like we should never not do that. And for, but the second thing is this. I, I want you to honestly tell me, is there no one in your life that you know that doesn't know Christ? That you can't just say, look, this is my life before and this is what Christ did in my life, and this is what he's doing right now in my life because every one of us knows someone. We should all be bringers because if we know Christ, we should all bring somebody. It is not good to never bring anyone or to never invite or to never share the gospel, the most important thing, because if all you bring is, is other saved people, then we're not going and telling like Christ told us to do. And so I'm asking each one of you by September the 8th, Heck, let's do it next week. By next week, tell one person. Share with one person. Bring one person to church. Make it uncomfortable in here where we don't know where to put them. Because if everyone brings someone, that's the way it'll be. So will you bow your heads with me before we close? I just want to ask you, in looking at Paul's story, and looking at Paul's story, and evaluating what your life looked like before, and none of us have killed Christians like Paul have, Paul did, I mean, I'm sorry. None of us look exactly like that. I wonder if you're being honest this morning, if you can say, Mark, I can see a difference between what my life used to be like and what it is now, that God has done a work in my life. Sure, I screw up and I sin, but there's no doubt the presence of God is in my life. The Holy Spirit lives in me because I've trusted Christ as Savior, He's forgiven me of my sins. If that's you this morning, just slip your hand up as high as you can. Every person in the room, if you know that you're saved, there's no doubt in your mind, would you just raise your hand as high as you can this morning? As High as you can. Keep them up. Keep them up. Thank you. Put your hands down. Is there anyone in here? Just quickly, quickly in response. Is there anybody in here that would say, Mark, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm saved or not. Just, just raise your hand. Mark, I'm not sure. Who else? Thank you, brother. Who else? Hey, listen, in just a second, I'm going to pray a prayer. And it's similar to the one I prayed. I want everyone in here to pray with me, but you don't have to pray the prayer I'm praying. You pray for the young man that raised his hand. If you pray this prayer or a prayer like it, don't have to repeat my words. The prayer is not what saves you. It's your heart, trusting in Christ that saves you. Anybody else in here that didn't raise their hand, God doesn't save hands. He saves hearts pray a prayer similar to this God will save you God I'm dude I'm so jacked up I'm I'm a sinner I'm far from you and the truth of the matter is I've never given you my heart and life I've never surrendered all to you and said I need you God right now will you come in my life and save me change me I want to be new I want in the best of times and the worst of times to have the peace that is in my life because of you. So God, will you just save me? Forgive me of my sins. For the rest of my life I'll live for you. My friend, if if you prayed that prayer, most importantly, if you believe in your heart that you've trusted Christ, you're saved. So if you you were the person that raised your hand or you're another person that prayed it, will you just look up at me right now? Look at me. If you wanna get saved right now, or you believe you just did, I just want you to get up. Everyone's bowing their hand, closing their eyes. I just want you to get up. We got a volunteer back in the back. We wanna give you something. If that's you today and you wanna do that, just go ahead, stand up right now. Thank you, brother. Go right back there and they'll they'll tell you what to do. Anybody else? Anybody else say, that was me right here, right now. Why don't we celebrate one person that got saved this morning? Hey, what what about everybody else as we close? Everybody's in different places. Our lives are, couldn't be more different, some of us. But all of us can be tellers, can't we? All of us can be doers. All of us can be go-getters. So as we close, I just ask, not asking you to stand up like come to the front necessarily if you want to, man, that'd be awesome. You're welcome. You're free to worship any way you can. But I'm asking you right now to just, as we worship, as we close, that you will commit to bringing at least one person sharing your faith with one person, telling what Jesus did in your life because all of you in here have told me I am saved. So will you be that difference maker as we close? God, what an awesome day. Right now we're going to close in worship with such an awesome song, one of my favorite songs. I pray that we will be evident to people that we know you. And when people see us, they'll say, that's not the same Mark that I used to know. Jesus has done a work in him. Lord, help us be the church as we go, not be the same. We love you, Jesus.